It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, with its own needs. Something in your own head, beat it up and I've seen got no sheets. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down, like fire in a fire. Mr. Chicken Southern Gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, the jury beat it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. <laughs> and bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, an amazing hour of awe in an awful world. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, in the old days, way back in the 1700s, when something was awful, uh-huh. it might have been actually wondrous. Full of because awe. Because it made you full of awe. awe and right. that sort of morphed over the course like of time. Like beautiful. Think yes, about it. Right. Beautiful right. means you're full of beauty. That's right. Exactly. So in the old days, they thought that might be used as a Positive, positive thing right you know <laughs> you're just awful <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny things change over time that's true time marches on mm-hmm. i'm joe alton md also known as dr bones of doomandbloom.net where you'll find over a thousand posts videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster and I am Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy, and I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. Ah, uh, together we are the dynamic duo, the prodigious pair, the courageous couple, and we are here to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. <laughs> Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident? With a larcenous lynx, well, our attorney says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. That's right, but when the zombies are knocking at your door <laughs> and the chips have all hit the floor, will you know what to do when some, if somebody gets sick or injured? Hey, you know what? Zombies. Yes. What about them? What does a vegan zombie eat? Uh, I don't know. Grains. <laughs> Grains. <laughs> Anyhow, can you show the world out there that you've got more sense than the Lord gave a sack of flour by learning what to do for injuries and illness when a disaster hits? 
Well, while you're at it, you know what? I'd suggest you use some good old common sense, get some supplies, maybe a quality medical kit to, medical kit to go along with all that knowledge. And what better place to get it than the lovely Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated but never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They'll help you handle medical issues you'll face in any disaster, allow you to be resilient in the face of adversity, and they're designed by yours truly, an honest-to-gosh medical doctor, and hers truly, an advanced registered nurse practitioner. Compare our kits for contents, quality, and compare our kits for contents, quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff, or just ask anyone who's ever bought one of our kits, <laughs> and you'll agree our kits are the ones you should have in your medical storage. Hey, you know, we learn as much from you as you do from us, probably a whole lot more. So bequeath some of that golden knowledge in your noggin to us <laughs> knuckleheads and reach out to old Dr. Bones and the lovely Nurse Amy. It's so easy. And here's Nurse Amy to tell you how. You have to sing it, though. It's so easy. It's so, so easy. easy. Oh, <laughs> it's so easy. All right. <laughs> you can contact us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. Or check out our Facebook page, Doom and Bloom. You can follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. You know, we should change that to one thing. I mean, everything it's is not different. Po- I don't the, think it's possible. We actually could do it, but it's been so many years, and each one of these came at a different point. We start off with I a Twitter, know. and we used a particular thing. Then we <gasps> did Facebook, we used a particular thing. YouTube, we used a particular thing. You know what this is? This is a thorn in our side. A thorn in we'll our side. We'll never be able to get it out, though. Oh, it, my You know gosh. what it is? It is what it is. That's true. Sadly. Hey, we want to thank the folks at KYAH Utah for airing our Survival Medicine Hour, and also to our friends at Prepper Broadcasting, USA Emergency Broadcasting Network, Survival Central, and all the other great networks that carry our program. And don't forget our other podcasts, American Survival Radio, all with current events and a practical perspective as Mm -hmm. well. (laughs) And that actually is on several different radio Radio, stations, land-based radio stations stations throughout the U.S. of A. (laughs) You know, springtime is allergy season with all those new pollens in the air. Gosh, it's important for the medic to know a little bit about them. And let's face it, you're going to spend a lot of time outdoors. If you know what hits the fan, if you're knocked off the grid, that is going to be a big issue. So let's talk a little bit about allergies. What are allergies? Well, allergies are reactions caused by a hypersensitivity Uh of your immune system. In other words, if your immune system goes haywire because it's exposed to some substance that you ingested or something in the environment, we call these allergy-causing substances allergens. The funny thing is, is that these substances may cause little or no effect in most people, but a percentage of the population wind up getting significant symptoms that could affect the quality of life or even threaten life itself in the worst cases. Let's talk a little bit about the history of allergies. If you lived in the year, oh, I don't know, 1900, and you told your doctor... I would be really old if I lived <laughs> in 1900. If we, if you were <laughs> placed back in that era and you uh-huh. told your doctor that you had an allergy, he or she would not recognize the word. The word allergy was coined in 1906 by an Austrian Mm -hmm. that was an immunologist, and uh, his name was Clemens von Perquet, or Perquet, 
And the word is derived from the Greek allos, meaning other, and ergon, meaning reaction. So you had an, another reaction than the average person has to a particular substance. You know what? You're such a good history teacher. Oh, I am indeed. <laughs> well, that guy, Von Perquet, or Von Perquet, and his associates noted that certain people who received a variety of smallpox vaccine, for example, had more severe reactions than most. And there was another scientist named Mantu who used this knowledge to develop a test for, guess what, tuberculosis, where an allergic skin reaction to a substance isolated from the tuberculosis bug revealed a previous exposure. And a form of this test, sure enough, is still used still today, the today. tuberculin test. Yeah, yeah. most uh, medical professionals have to have this test. That's right. I had to have it. And as a matter of fact, I actually went from negative to positive during the Mariel Boatlift in 1980, where I spent a lot of time in the emergency room and treated a lot of refugees. Not because you were sick, because you were a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the emergency room. You can take that either uh, way, darling. But I did, get, <laughs> I did get somewhat sick from it. Luckily, it didn't do anything terrible to me, but it certainly wasn't any fun at all. And luckily, I never wound up having a severe case of it. And I had to take three antibiotics for six months. So yuck, that was a mess. Now, the worst kind of allergic reaction is known as anaphylactic shock, and that was discovered by a French physiologist named Charles Richet. I know that he's pronounced Richet, who, along with his partner, Dr. Paul Portier, injected the venom of a sea... These all sound like French guys. These all are, yeah, a lot of French guys, uh, but, you know, French... The Frenchies like to be chemists and Uh, scientists. I guess they they did. (laughs) Well, they did back then. Now they want to be artistes, I guess. But in any case... These doctors injected the venom of a sea anemone. That's one of those uh, critters in which those clownfish or those damselfish actually live in the middle of this theoretically poisonous tentacled plant. I guess it's a plant. It's not really a plant. It's an animal of some sort. And so they injected the venom of a sea anemone into a number of dogs. Now, they were hoping to find a substance that would protect humans against jellyfish stings. They call that prophylaxis, right? They want to protect against something that's called prophylaxis. They instead found that a second injection of this venom actually killed many of the dogs. And since this is the opposite of protection, instead of prophylaxis, they called it anaphylaxis or antiphylaxis. Now, common allergens to which people are exposed include all sorts of things. It could be pollens, it could be insect stings, medications, foods, even certain metals can cause people to have an allergic reaction. For example, if you had a piece of jewelry, if you're a lady and have a piece of jewelry that you wear that caused a reaction because it wasn't gold, let's say it was some kind of other material, well, that is a common type of allergen. There are also internal factors such as age and sex, race, family history. And so how do all these combined to cause the physical symptoms of an allergy. So if we want to put this simply, uh, an immune reaction against an allergen occurs when it's encountered for the first time. Let's say it's a bee sting. Cells in the body called T cells, T cells, identify the bee venom and they interact with other cells called B cells. The B cells produce certain antibodies called IgE. IgE attaches to the surface of certain cells 
and these cells are now sensitized to the venom. Now, the first time around, no physical effects are usually noticed at the time by the victim, beyond, of course, the pain and discomfort of the sting itself. Now, when a second exposure to the allergen occurs, however, boy, it's a different story. These sensitized cells are activated and produce a large amount of something called histamine and other inflammatory chemicals. And this flood of these into the system causes reactions, and sometimes very severe physical reactions. Now, there are various types of allergies. Let's talk about toxin allergies. Allergies, these could be, well, mild. They could be life-threatening, and, and these conditions that are toxin allergies include things like hay fever, food allergies, local skin reactions, uh, sometimes called atopic dermatitis, uh, drug and toxin reactions, and, of course, allergic asthma respiratory symptoms. Common symptoms include things like red eyes, itching, nasal congestion, difficulty breathing, and even swelling. In the worst situations, there's a whole body-wide reaction, that's anaphylaxis, that causes um, difficulty breathing and even to the point of suffocation, you can actually die. Hay fever is usually a seasonal type reaction due to the high pollen counts in the air from certain plants. Oftentimes uh, in the spring, you'll see that. People with hay fever actually don't have a fever, but they will have sneezing from a runny, clogged nose, red, itchy, watery eyes, post-nasal drip, things like that. Uh, and post-nasal drip is a condition where you cough as a result of mucus running down the back of your throat something from the we, nose, from the back of the nose. Something we both know a lot of yes, about. Yes, we have a lot, of, a lot of that. We have 99. some allergies ourselves. Oh, my gosh. You're absolutely Dust. right. At so many things. I mean, really. You and I. Well, we're we're a good pair because we both understand the miseries of allergies. Oh yeah. That, so, those sneezing fits. I get a sneezing fit every so often. Yeah. Luckily, I've never had it when I was speaking at one of these events that we go to. But Thank goodness. Boy, but you oh, know boy. what we do, uh, just in case, is normally we take a Claritin before we go, because a lot of these expos, the buildings are just dusty. The floors aren't right. real clean. The right. air conditioners Big giant are probably warehouses, yeah, mostly. yeah. They're probably full of like tons of dust. Right. So we even have so some shows that we go to rodeo centers. Oh, you remember that? Yeah. And the yeah. floor was dirt. Sure. Yeah. It was that um, <laughs> clay. Uh huh. Right. Because they have right, like you said, they have horses there and stuff. Oh my goodness. That's right. So. Uh, so you, what happens? You can't breathe absolutely. after all the sneezing. Right. You're, Everything swells up inside. Your right. eyes get red and watery. Right. In places like the Mother Earth News Fair, they're actually livestock there. So you have livestock, dander, and, and you have uh, hay. Yes. <laughs> Actual hay. Yes. Or the best is when we're on an airplane and then someone has a dog in the row next to us or behind us. Oh, boy. And I wonder why we're having trouble breathing. And then we land, and I see the person pick up a carrier little, with the right. dog. I'm like, or a little oh. dog, little dog in her purse. Now I understand like why I was Hilton. choking right. to death on this plane. <laughs> no offense to dogs, but some people have terrible allergies to animals. We don't want it. I don't want to have an allergy to to cats and dogs. Sure. I really don't. Well, the thing is, the allergies. I love are, them. Allergies are pretty problematic. I they mean, are. They, they could be from grasses, trees, dogs, cats, or whatever, at flowering plants, and, and they all release their pollens at different types of times of the year if they're a plant. 
So and there it's are difficult fo- to identify what allergen is actually causing your problem. Exactly. And if you have a lot of different allergies like you and I do to foods and airborne things, you're pretty much being assaulted at all times. If you're in your house and there's any kind of dust and you have dust problems, it's impossible to keep your house 100% clean. I don't care if you're obsessive compulsive unless you put yourself in a um, I don't know, a marble room and it's mopped down and you have no air vents because as soon as you have an air conditioning vent, it's pulling in air. Right. And even though you have a filter, it doesn't filter out everything. So even if you're indoors, you're pulling things into your house and every time you open your door. If you go outside, of course, there's a billion things floating in the air. I mean, it's impossible for people with severe allergies to cope sometimes. Uh, they I know on the weather channels, they give pollen counts. Right. And they'll tell people who have uh, allergies. I Recently, we were in, I forget which town it was that we stopped in. It could have been Pensacola. But they gave an allergy count. And not only did they give an allergy count and say, you know, is it really high or medium or, or low, but they actually told you what was blooming at the time. Oh, really? So in case you knew uh, very specifically what caused a problem for you, uh, you were able to say, okay, well, I'm pretty allergic to this and it's really high, so maybe I'll either take a, a Claritin or a, a Zyrtec. I hate to say Benadryl because that makes you really sleepy, but you can kind of pre-medicate if you have to go outside on that day. So I thought that was really nice of them to do. I don't see that on our stations down here. Which is letting a shame us know what's we have, blooming. <laughs> we have so many things that do bloom maybe, down there in their tropical, tro- maybe it, subtropical the environment. The problem is it would probably take up the whole hour of the show. Yeah, <laughs> Forget the weather. We're going to discuss all the allergies <laughs> that are high today. Where do we start? And then an hour goes by and they finally get to the yeah, bottom of they, the list. And they fire the meteor- <laughs> meteorologist. <laughs> Right, we have too many storms and hurricanes to talk about versus pollen. Well, let's see what we got here. Well, uh, oh, skin reactions. Now, people oh, with fine. skin reactions, oftentimes uh, you might have had a family member who had similar problems uh, or or is a major reactive person. So if you have some family history of allergies and you notice some, some weird rashes, well, you may have an allergy as well, an atopic dermatitis. And so this is something that's important to to know. And these conditions usually start with sort of itchy, dry skin. Um, you get some scratching, and the scratching causes inflammation and causes redness. and could even initiate, if you break the skin, an infection in the area. And some people, in, with the worst cases, have uh, these small, bluesy, uh, bluesy. Bluesy. <laughs> bluesy. You're making, Uzi. Some new, you're making up some new words Uzi there. blisters instead of bluesy isters. I, <laughs> you might have oozy blisters, blisters that sometimes occur that crust over with time. Now, there are mild versions that cover small areas, and just using a little lotion may be helpful. There are severe versions that do require more intense uh, therapy. Now, the, these rashes might recur over the same area time and time again. And what happens in this case is the skin becomes tough and thick and it looks darker than uh, it other has parts. A, a little bit of a discoloration. Yes, exactly. I have I, I had one of these actually on my knees, no less. I thought I was wondering what the heck was going on, and it turns out it was an allergy. Uh, these areas are usually on the scalps and cheeks. You see them on kids, uh, kids even infants, but you can fi- see them on knees like I, I had or elbows. 
other areas that are commonly affected with age might include your wrists, your ankle, uh, ankles, the your butt, and even the nape <laughs> of your neck, and your buttocks, <laughs> and, and the nape of the neck. Now, food allergies, 4 or 5% of the population is allergic to some kind of food. And I think it's actually much more than that. But those are the statistics. Too. In children, eggs, milk, peanuts, that's very well known, are often responsible. Wait, I'm going to stop you right there. There's been scientific studies that have shown that exposing your babies to peanuts early, and you'll have to ask your pediatrician how early or do your own research, I'm sure it changes all the time, but earlier than they had thought actually decreases or eliminates peanut allergies in a number of children. Yes, that's called the hygiene hypothesis. So not exposing or preventing exposure to peanuts actually makes the risk of having a peanut allergy worse. So this early exposure decreases or eliminates peanut allergies, which is a completely different way of thinking. Of course, you know, we hear things, you know, one generation, oh, formula is awesome, then the next generation, well, it should only be breastfeeding, and you know, just, there's always things with raising children, but I think this actually has scientific basis, and I don't think they're going to reverse it because of the studies that they have done have been so good and in such great numbers that it really is, I believe, true. So early exposure, at least to peanuts, it's possible they've expanded it to other foods that they used to tell you not to expose your child to. <clears throat> Talk to your pediatrician and, and look up how to prevent allergies in children. And I think you'll you'll see that Putting your kid in a bubble is not the best idea. All right, may I? Let them get dirty. Get, get a, outside. A little dirty is not too bad. Yeah, no, I mean, don't play in the dog poop. Yeah, right. Probably. <laughs> pile. But, you know, let them, you know, get out there and help you in the garden. Right. I think we've discussed this a yep. long time ago. Yeah, I think that's it's, a good thing. It's a thousand reasons why, why your children should be helping you in the garden without gloves. Let them get a little dirty. It's okay. Let them walk barefoot if there's nothing dangerous. Yeah, let them plant some get seeds. A little dirt. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then watch them grow. It's a fantastic lesson. But you might actually be decreasing their risk of future illnesses by exposing them in tiny little bits to certain bacteria and allergens. That's right. Absolutely. Also, things like shellfish... Um, nuts from trees or nuts. Very common allergies. Right, exactly. Milk. Oh, by the way, peanuts are, are not nuts. I'm sure most people know this. They're a legume. They're peas. They're right. legumes. They're in the bean family. So if your child has some bean allergies, they might be allergic to peanuts. But if they have a cashew allergy, that does not translate to peanuts. Completely different. That's right. I'd like to say apples and oranges, but those well, are both fruit. <laughs> I think what you're talking about is tree nuts. Nuts that are produced by trees as opposed to beans or peas Peas. or legumes, other legumes. Right, exactly. Now, I want to remember, I want you to remember that an allergy to, let's say, milk is different from what we call intolerance because, let's say, a deficiency deficiency of lactose. Right, which breaks down. Right, exactly. 
So yeah, that's important to know. Uh, there are drug allergies, of course. A drug allergy is caused after repeated exposure to a medicine. Some of the most common allergies to medicines are penicillins, for example, sulfa drugs, some types of non-synthetic insulins, some seizure medications, gosh, and of course medications that contain iodine. Uh, iodine is People also seen in People can actually have problems with um, NSAIDs too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ibuprofen type products. It is abs absolutely a major issue. Drug allergies often confused with what we call adverse reactions, and adverse reactions is a known ill effect that can occur simply by using a medicine. That, For example, if a drug is known to cause nausea in some patients at a, at a certain dose of medicine, this is considered an adverse reaction as opposed to an allergy. Despite this, many people will report an allergy to a particular drug to their healthcare provider, to their doctor. And some of the reasons that people will write allergic to on their medical interview sheet would include things like the drug causes symptoms that makes them feel unwell, that a family member may have a history of an allergy to a particular drug, and uh, your patient may assume that the same goes for them. Uh, they may have had an incident in their childhood that resembled an allergic reaction, so better safe than sorry, right? That's <laughs> what a lot, of, a lot of people say. Well, you had an allergic reaction. It happened around the time of this, so, you know, Never use it again. I'll just tell my doctor I'm allergic to it. It's so a right. better safe than sorry. It, right. It's a cautionary thing. It doesn't. It doesn't mean it actually was a hundred percent. Absolutely right. Uh, of course, negative comments online or elsewhere might cause reluctance to take a particular medicine because you read about. Yeah, or like somebody... kid, parents who read about all these peanut allergies, they're like, "Well, I'll just never give my kid peanuts, so they won't die." I mean, they read these horrible things that, you know, a thousand feet away, someone had eaten a peanut butter sandwich four days earlier and then walked into the same arena and then my kid died. So that's very extreme. That doesn't actually happen. But they read these crazy stories and they think, well, if I just keep my kid from this and I don't give them that and I don't expose them to this, they think they're protecting their child. Because that's, that's what we want as parents, and I don't. I understand that feeling. You want to protect your child from everything, right? You're reluctant that, to give your child a particular medicine that actually might be oh, necessary for them because, right? Or maybe your friend, your friend's child had a terrible reaction, allergy, and you're worried your kid would have the same. And you think, well, if I just don't give my child that, I won't have to go through that same situation. I I understand it very much. Now, some people are just plain old philosophically opposed to a particular type of drug. Let's say I we have people on our sur survival medicine group that mm -hmm. are very much anti-antibiotic, even though I write about antibiotics all the time and mm -hmm. how important I think they are to have in medical storage. And some people are against, let's say, psychotropic drugs, drugs that affect your behavior. So uh, let's say Scientologists, for example, they're, uh, Tom Cruise is famously against psychotropic drugs. And I'm sorry, but he's probably one of the number one people that actually needs some medicine. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's crazy as a loon. He's a hell of a guy. And, you know, if, you, if you're a Scientologist, don't write us letters. 
It's just a personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> and no, of course, it, hey, listen, I'm not making a judgment about Scientologists. They have their rules. You know, every group, every has their religion beliefs. has their beliefs. That's fine. But, you know, sometimes people do need medicine. And I, I do think Tom Cruise needs to have at least a little counseling. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Tom. Well, and of course, with all these different reasons why people don't take a, we'll say they have an allergy, there's always a chance that they actually have an allergy. And I mentioned it last on the list of reasons why people write down they're allergic to something is because a true allergy is indeed last on the list. The World Allergy Association reports that less than 10% of reactions to medicines are actually allergies caused by an immune response. In other words, an immune response occurred as a result of taking this particular medicine. Most symptoms that people get after taking medicine are side effects or adverse reactions. It may not always be easy to tell a difference, but a true drug allergy usually shows what we call immune-mediated symptoms, such as things like hives, itchy skin, itchy eyes, rashes, lips, and tongue swelling sometimes, and even wheezing in some of the worst cases. In some cases, blood pressure may drop. So there are a lot of things that can happen that are related to an actual allergy and a lot of things that aren't. Now, you should know, know that an allergic reaction oftentimes has a local redness, discomfort, itching, and swelling when a toxin is introduced to your body, things like bee venom. Now, your immune system, however, responds strongly when it is a true allergy. Now, common insects that you'll see that do this are fire ants and hornets and wasps, bees, things like that. And when the immune system gets involved, the reactions may be much more severe than what you might see with just your regular bee sting. Redness, not, swelling, right, hives. Right, and we're not saying that, that when you get these stings for a person who doesn't have allergies, you won't have a reaction. It is going to hurt. It is going to be red. And it's probably going to swell up a little bit around it. But if, we're talking right. about extreme right. reactions. If you start getting reactions in on the skin away from where the, the bite was. It's spreading. Right. Exactly. Is where the sting was. Then that is an issue. And uh, also, some people even get GI symptoms. So you might get nauseous. You might have stomach upset and cramps, they might have diarrhea, and the effects of a, a true allergic response sometimes takes day, take days to completely resolve. And I think the worst part about that is would be the respiratory reaction. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that is the most scary. Most people can get over, a, you know, a little nausea or, like, a, a big rash on their arm, but when you start having a little difficulty breathing... Maybe you feel a little short of breath, maybe a slight wheeze, and you're having some trouble talking. You know, this is when it is absolutely imperative that that person get treatment ASAP. And I'm sure you're going to talk about. Yep, yeah, we're going to talk about treatment Epi-Pin right and now. Stuff. Yeah. Yes. Now, allergies, if they're mild, you could treat them with medications <clears throat> that just relieve the specific symptoms. So, for example, an antihistamine, um, they come. Of course, in pills, they come in nasal sprays, they come even in eye drops for eye symptoms. These are useful to deal with some of the things that you see, itchy eyes and runny nose, that, that let's say you might have with hay fever. Nasal decongestants 
are pretty important important to have. Things like Sudafed, Sudafedrin, although Sudafedrin you actually have to ask the pharmacist specifically for it. You won't find them. We have to give a driver's license because it's apparently an ingredient for meth. For making meth, yeah. <laughs> Methamphetamine, wow. So these druggy people used to walk around and clear out the pharmacies of all, all their the Sudafed. Sudafed. That's crazy. I'll take these 50 boxes of Sudafed, and do you have any more in the back? Wow. <laughs> crazy, baby. So now you have to show a driver's license for a box. And they looked at me funny when I bought two boxes. Oh, I boy. actually slapped out my... First of all, I was sick. I was like, do you want me to cough on you? But I brought out my nursing license. And I yep. said, you know... This actually is a medical problem. They looked at me funny for two boxes. And I'm thinking, if I was making meth, how much could I make with two boxes anyway? I don't know. If you guys know <laughs> out, if we have any meth you know dealers, I mean? like, meth producers those, out there, like, send us an email. <laughs> those Sudafed pills are like, what are they, like a quarter of an inch? They're little bitty things. They're teeny yeah. tiny little things. Anyway, wow. I don't know anything about making meth, but I just thought... It was offensive to me, actually. I'm like, you know, why am I being looked at funny? Because you had a bunch of drug dealers buy Sudafed from you people. Maybe you should have stopped the people from buying 40 boxes so we wouldn't be punished to have to show our driver's license to buy one or two boxes. Yep, that's true. Just tell people they can't buy more than two. I don't know why you have to show a driver's license. What is that doing? I, I doubt there's some database. Maybe it of, shows the location of your meth lab. I guarantee you there's no database for Sudafed purchasers. They're not taking that piece of paper they wrote my name and driver's license on and entering it into some data system that now shows that that I visited 14 drugstores on the same day and bought two boxes of Sudafed at every single store. Oh, so interesting. I'm sure there's yeah. no database, so it's com a completely... A waste of time. Well, they have to say they're doing something. Yeah, well. Well, that's the way it is. Now, not all rules are good rules. You could How's instead. That? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. You could instead use a nasal spray like Afrin or Dristan. Uh, that's oxymetazoline. And these are useful drugs to have in the medicine cabinet. But it should be noted that these nasal sprays are addictive. You yes. use them for more than three days in a row. You know what? If you stop using them, your nose becomes stuffy. It's and so, called a rebound. Now, I'll tell you a story about an uncle of mine. I had an uncle who... Uh, rebound effect. Who had an addiction to... I've met people like that. Dristan. It was a, a little inhaler. And the funny thing is it was shaped like a little uh, Like tube, a chapstick? Like a chapstick, but rounded at the edge so you don't didn't hurt yourself when you stuck it in your nose. You would stick it in your nose and you would breathe it. And he got Vicks Vapor, I think, had something Vicks like had that something too. Like that, maybe. Yes. Well, in any they case, might still have it. In any case, this thing was so he got so used to using it that he would walk around his house with one of those things stuck in his nose. Oh no way! And he would just walk around oh, with, no. with it stuck in his nose. So <laughs> crazy, baby. Wait. Huh? It is true. Write a book. Addictive. It write is a addictive. book. Wait, write a book. You know you're addicted when. Yeah, right. When you walk <laughs> around with this thing in your nose. You know you're addicted to X when. <laughs> you can just write chapter after chapter. <laughs> now, you mentioned Benadryl. That's diphenhydramine, and that indeed may help, but you have to remember, as you said, I think when mm -hmm. you use high doses of it, 50 milligrams or more, it is often 
something well, that will put you right to sleep. It's actually a good sleep med uh, alternative well, for your medical storage in times of trouble. Uh, uh, absolutely. In times of trouble, we don't have to get up for work the next day because Benadryl will give you that hangover feeling. You can't hardly open your eyes. You feel a little drowsy. You probably shouldn't even be driving at that point. It's, you, you just don't want to get out of bed. So these sleep medicines that mix like Tylenol PM, uh-huh. they mix Benadryl. Thankfully, I believe that the dose is only 25 milligrams of Benadryl. Right. It's only 25. I yeah, know that. So it, it makes you sleepy. It puts you to sleep. But hopefully you don't have that that drowsiness in the morning. Hangover. But if you take 50, don't, don't plan, at least for most people, to... Right try to function very much the next day. Hopefully it's a Saturday or Sunday that you can relax. Of course, there's long-term therapy with uh, prescription stuff, things like uh, intranasal steroids. Atrovent is one of them. And nasal crumb, uh, chromal and sodium, that's Mm -hmm. another option. These are best when they're used long-term in people that have problems with chronic allergies. Uh, But you have to remember the effects aren't felt immediately, so they're not any emergency medicine, but the the emergency medicine you should take would be something like epinephrine. And epinephrine, also known as adrenaline, uh, that is necessary as an injectable to improve symptoms that affect the entire body. And the the most popular brand is known as EpiPen. Yep. And EpiPen is something that was a subject of controversy recently. It's a simple injectable pen. It looks like a, a pen, I guess. It doesn't really look like a pen. It looks like sort of a syringe. Uh, but what you do is you grab it, and you and when you are noticing the effect of a severe allergy or you somebody else has it, I'm, it. I'm, yeah, de- I'm demonstrating, demonstrating it for it, guys. you right and here on the radio. You hear, you hear the, the chair creaking. It's because he's moving around. And you take it and you jab it <laughs> right into, it's a very little, tiny little needle. Yeah. You jab it right into the upper lateral, uh, upper side of your thigh and it delivers a certain amount of this epinephrine and the epinephrine is very strong in terms of its anti-allergy effect. Uh, The controversy was that they recently increased the price of EpiPen to I think 600% of what it was just a few months before and they got into some real trouble with regards to that. Actually the FDA put a lawsuit against them they had to decrease the price but they still it's still like 300 percent more than it used to be and some people actually go through uh, go buy the epinephrine in vials and actually draw up their own epinephrine that that's fine but of course it takes more time to do that than just having the epipen right there and just jabbing it another another thing about epipen in the news was that they tested a number of EpiPens that were expired, and some of these were expired for three or four years, and they still retained, uh, they say, up to 80% of their potency. So that's pretty good, you know, and so don't throw away whatever EpiPens you might happen to have with you. However, during... Normal times. Normal times, refill, refill, and refill. Always good to have them. (laughs) Absolutely. So this is something we'll talk about this more in another show Okay. in the near future. 
Now, there are natural ways to deal with allergy symptoms. Of course, there's a, a lot of people know about what's called a neti pot, a sort of a weird name. I have to figure out why that started off the word neti? neti, a neti pot. But anyhow, it looks look like a little up. tiny teacup, uh, teapot, and uh, basically that helps relieve congestion and pres- uh, in and pressure. It looks like Aladdin's lamp, actually, sort of. And it allows... Oh, that's a good description. Yeah, it allows the <laughs> delivery of sterile solutions. It has to be sterile into the nasal cavity. And what they do is they work by thinning out mucus. You have certain hairs inside your nose and uh, that are microscopic, like the big old hairs that old folks have. Uh, but these hairs <laughs> so in funny. the nose are called cilia. <laughs> and they're aided in their attempt to eliminate mucus and allergens by the flushing action of this sterile solution, usually just salt water, that's delivered by the neti pot. And some people have doubts about the effectiveness of a neti pot, but research backs up the benefits of nasal irrigation to relieve some allergy but symptoms. I just want to my- emphasize one more time exactly what you said, sterilized or distilled water. Absolutely right. Sterilized or distilled Not water. Not sterilized or, I think, sterilized and distilled. Uh, uh, well, I have no problem with that. Now, <laughs> that's the thing, because one concern related to the neti pots is the importance of ensuring that you are using sterile solution, because non-sterile solutions, even tap water, can transmit infections directly into the body. And there were actually two deaths in Louisiana that were attributed, no less, to neti pot use of contaminated water. Oh, look at this water. picture. And, that is so yeah. gross. Here's a picture. She's looking at a don't, picture of somebody using a neti don't pot. Don't take a selfie while you're using a neti pot. Because the water goes it's in unattractive. one goes in one, one nostril, out the it other. pours out the other. Usually, so, and of course, I'm sure this is on, out of your mouth, This too. is on uh, Wikipedia. I was just trying to find out yeah, the history. Yeah, so look up nasal irrigation on Wikipedia, and you get to see that picture. Well, I was trying to find the history of just the word neti. Like where they got the word neti from. Right. So it works. It's, it, it does work if you use sterile, let's see, saline salt water solutions. Uh, you have to remember, too, about your neti pot is you have to wash it after every use, just like you wash your dishes after Sorry. every meal. There's someone oh, what do you at, have there? There's someone, someone at the door. There's we, someone at our front door. Well, we have that ring yes. device. Uh, that ring is awesome, folks. That's right. Super easy. I installed it on my front door. It's a doorbell with a camera. If you don't want to put it on your actual current doorbell that has electricity, there's the battery one, which is the original. And I just drilled a couple of holes straight into my front door because it's metal. You could do it into a wood one much easier than I did. And you install it. And anybody who walks up to your front door is immediately on a video clip. Right. We're in Florida right now, but we get notifications when somebody comes to our door door at our Gatlinburg, Tennessee home. Even when cars just drive by. But whenever a car pulls up or people walk into the house or ring the doorbell, I get a notification. Of course, sometimes it's the middle of the night. But you can set it on motion or you can set it just to alert you when somebody rings the doorbell. So it's awesome. I love it. That way nobody will ever come to your front door without being on some video clip. And a video clip is not stored in your house. It's stored up in a cloud somewhere mm-hmm. on rings servers. So if something bad happens and they, they steal your ring or, or turn off your electricity or whatever, that video clip still exists. 
so that person can be identified unless they're wearing a disguise. But It's interesting. You can actually talk through it also. Yes. So yes, can, I can ask people. What um, are you doing there? Right. I don't have to open the door. I see you. <laughs> or try to shout through the door. Right. And I could see them as I'm talking to them. So anyway, I think it's very curious. I, actually, this happened to us when we were in Texas. Recently, someone came to the front door, and I had had a couple boxes delivered while I was gone. They were still outside that day. And the guy claimed at the front gate that he was an Uber deliverer, delivery, which is for food. Okay. And, of course, we're not home. We hadn't been home in days. And he came to our front door with looked like a fake pizza box, and I see him checking out the boxes. The boxes that were delivered. Yeah, he's looking over at my boxes trying to, like, read the labels. So I told him, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> good. He says, uh, Uber. And I said, nope, didn't call you. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> and then yes. I called the front gate and said, you know, you better watch this guy. This you is apparently a scam yes. in the development that people are claiming to be Uber food delivery and getting in and then snooping around and Casing finding... out the joint. By, well, not necessarily to steal, like break in, but to steal boxes from oh, front doors. Wow. So they drive around looking for boxes and then walk up and take the boxes. But thankfully I had the camera on, so I chased him away. Well, something to consider, guys. Bear, I feel much safer. Let me go look and see who it was, though. <laughs> <laughs> Back to allergies. You know, there is a natural remedy that's getting some serious attention, and you probably have never heard of it. It is called Butterbur, B-U-T-T-E-R-B-U-R. And there was a recent British medical journal study that showed that the extract from this plant was, and if you took it four times daily, it equaled the effects of things like Benadryl without causing drowsiness. And so it had an anti-allergy effect. It's a type of plant that can be grown, I think, in temperate climates. And so it's something that might be useful. And there are also uh, other plants are nettles and golden seal, resveratrol, which is uh, grapeseed extract. That's also something. There's quercetin, which you'll see in turmeric, uh, and vitamin C. All, all of this stuff may be helpful. Now, ragweed suffers. Now, you should realize that some plants that are commonly used in herbal remedies like chamomile or echinacea sometimes cross-react in hay fever sufferers to make symptoms worse. So if you're allergic to ragweed, you might actually have a bit of an allergic reaction even to chamomile or echinacea. Everybody's a little different. Now, you might be surprised to know that acupuncture actually has some evidence for effectiveness against certain allergies. Uh, based on the idea that stimulating certain points of the body can cause effects inside, that's what acupuncture essentially does, there, were, uh, there was a study done of 26 hay fever patients, and that was put in the American Journal of Chinese Medicine, and it was also described in WebMD, too, so it has some credentials. It appeared to improve symptoms in all people without major adverse effects. Hmm. And there was another study, actually, that showed that eliminated uh, acupuncture, eliminated allergic symptoms in about half of the patients. Remember, allergies can be nuisances, but they can also be more than that. They can be life-threatening. In situations where we might spend a larger part of our day outdoors, well, like survival, well, it's important to know the signs, symptoms, and treatments 
when the immune system goes haywire. Hey, you know, we like to support other podcasts, and one of the most worthy is our good friend Jack Spirico's survival podcast now with more than 2,000 episodes under his belt, still going strong. Jack appointed us to his expert counsel, and we get letters regarding various medical issues from some of his and our listeners. This one is about a problem that a lot of people have relating to allergies, and so we're going to hear from Josh in our latest segment. This week's expert counsel question comes from Josh, who writes, My wife and I have 12 siblings between us. We're Irish Catholic. Other than many battles with alcohol, not a one has any allergies, ailments, or anything like that. Neither of our parents had any issues either. Now we have four kids. All were C-section. My first daughter had minor allergies, dogs and cats mainly. My second added dairy, but my third and fourth have major allergies. Cedar trees especially were a bear when we lived in Texas. Peanuts are an absolutely no-go. I had to personally administer an EpiPen on my six-month-old son eight years ago. That was scary. Growing up, I don't remember anyone with allergies. Doesn't mean it didn't exist, but I don't remember ever coming across someone with it. Nowadays, however, there are a ton of kids at school with all sorts of allergies. I just don't get it. Is it C-sections, diets, a combination? Just wondering if you've read anything on this. It seems that not only are we getting more and more obese in the U.S., but allergies are getting more prevalent as well. Why? Josh, there's no doubt we're experiencing an epidemic of allergic reactions in the U.S. today. The reason why, however, is a topic of fierce debate. The shortest answer I can give you is we're not quite sure longest answer would be a very, very long book. Earlier this year, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, published a major study on children and allergies. It found that 1 in 20 children have food allergies. That's up 50% from the 1990s. 1 in 8 have skin allergies or eczema. That number is up 69% from the 1990s. They claim, however, that there haven't been any increase in hay fever or other respiratory allergies, something I have my doubts about. Let me tell you about one theory. It's called the hygiene or the microbial deprivation hypothesis. Are we living too clean? We wash frequently. We have smaller families. We live away from farms and animals. Kids are less likely to develop asthma if they grow up in rural areas. And children in cities have more allergies. That means that we're having only rare challenges from harmful bugs. That brings up the question, is our immune system looking for something to do? and ends up misdirected attacking previously benign substance, say, in our food. There have even been studies suggesting that babies born in hospitals, and particularly those born by cesarean section, Josh, may have a different balance of gut bacteria, making them more prone to allergies, something to look into. It's now common practice in many childcare and school settings to ban or restrict potential allergy-causing substances. Those are called allergens, like tree nuts from children's lunches. We may be experiencing more allergies because our culture has become too effective at controlling or eliminating exposure to microbes. Microbes are central to training our immune system to dealing with allergens. Am I telling you to let your kids play in the dirt? Yeah, once in a while, but don't get me wrong. It's still a good idea to wash your hands after going to the bathroom. You see, you want to watch what your kid's exposed to, what they put in their mouth, and you have to realize that other factors might be at work. Our modern lifestyle, our fast-paced, unhealthy diet play a part, in my opinion, at least. We're eating bad fats, and with smartphones and computers, we're not getting as much exercise, leading to problems with obesity, as you had mentioned. Some researchers believe these changes affect our immune systems, could be why there are more autoimmune disorders in today's world. 
Here's another factor that might be in play. We use more sunscreen, we spend less time outdoors, reducing our body's natural production of vitamin D. This vitamin, in normal amounts, helps ensure a healthy immune system. Sun safety is very important, but so is vitamin D. Even more factors include the way food is processed, the timing of food introduction to children, chemical pollution in cities, other environmental factors. It's unknown whether alcohol issues have an allergy component to it. In the past, they did think that. But we do know it is genetic, and kids exposed to it at an early age seem to activate the gene that leads to dependence. So the answer could be that the allergy epidemic is caused by multiple factors, only some of which can be mitigated in today's world. The CDC has been changing guidelines to allow earlier exposure of children to certain allergens, but unfortunately it doesn't help those kids that already are allergic. We still have a lot to learn before we can formulate a foolproof strategy to keep our kids safe from developing allergies. Keep those EpiPens handy. This is Joe Alton, MD. That old Dr. Bones wishing you the best of health and good times or bad. Hey, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show, on Facebook at Survival Medicine Dr. Bones Nurse Amy, or at Doom and Bloom, and on YouTube at our channel, Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. Thanks for listening. Well, that's all we have for this week's episode of the Survival Medicine Hour. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you will turn in on a regular basis to hear the old geezer and the young beautiful woman <laughs> expound on important medical issues. See you next week. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.